This podcast contains occasional rude words and possibly some very wrong concepts. So you have to blame yourself for listening and we hope you have a laugh. G'day, it's the Moon Man here, Lawrence Mooney. Did you ever have a childhood dream denied but can live with yourself because at least you tried? Check out this podcast, Saturday Afternoon Fever, with Matthew Hardy and myself, where we remember what we were like as naughty kids, terrible teenagers and young, drunk, idiot adults. Right, let's go. I'm just going to start reading. Please. And back to the book. Chapter 22, The Girl. Shane, who was moving up the ranks, Shane was one of our regulars that went to the footy every week and stood behind the goals at Moorabbin. He was moving up the ranks of the Gas and Fuel Corporation. Oh, nice. And he once threw a spanner in the works of our Saturday regularity by bringing a girl along to a game. Confronting. Had there never been a girl as part of the coterie before, or the cohort, as everyone says now? No, there never had been. And also, the 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 banter was so vile that any <laughs> self-respecting woman did not want to be within fifty foot of any of us stinkers. And of course, any self-respecting man would tone it down in the presence of a lady. Yes, in some is... weird kind of half-assed reverse sexism. Exactly. Unlike me and the majority of my other mates, Shane had a personal plan. Having less. Having left Sindel Tech early to become a plumber and gas fitter, he was doing well. And by the time he turned 18, he owned a top-quality Commodore with all the trimmings. Oh, nice. John Farnham's You're the Voice was a huge hit, <laughs> as was his accompanying haircut. <laughs> My brother sported that haircut for most of the 80s, that long mullet. The, uh... And feathered, I think, was one of the phrases used to describe the occasional cut you'd give it. Yes, uh, it was very much the Dermot Brereton mullet. Blonde, kind of just above the ear, but then the long tresses at the back yep. over the um, the beaten leather brown jacket. Or the dry as a bone, which Farnsey went with for Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and people started turning up to the footy in those in the mid-'80s. Yep. Dry as a bones were very popular, weren't they? Yep. I had a dry as a bone, and uh, I left it. Well, I didn't leave it. I was forced to leave it at Edwards Tavern when I was thrown out by the bouncers. Eddie's Tavern, ETs. ETs. Uh, Monday night, or was it Tuesday night? Nurses night. Commercial Road, Paran. Yeah, and so there was the nearby hospital, and uh, to entice the nurses. The Alfred, yep. Yeah, they would uh, have, I think, Monday or Tuesday uh, dollar drinks for the women. And, of course, that, the nurses. that yeah. brings in the men. And, and it, um, was, it was next to another football connection, the Red Tulip Factory, because coaches who appeared on Club Corner on World of Sport, they'd get the Patra orange juice, the Tosca travel goods, the 4 and 20 pies, and a box of Red Tulip chocolates for your wife, for your missus. Right. That's what the ladies love, apparently. Farnham had the accompanying haircut to the You're the Voice video clip. My feathered Warwick Kappa look suddenly faced stiff, stiff competition. Miami Vice was top-rating tally at the time, so Shane and I used to hit the suburban dance floors dressed in the show's sharp fashion sense. Shane was Don Johnson, and I was, well, Don Johnson. <laughs> Great. Yeah, neither of you could have been Tubbs because he was an African-American. That's right, right. Um, <laughs> uh, we both at least, were... of course, you were going on Hey Hey at Saturday. Then there was a possibility. Of course. 
Um, we both wore grey flecked sports jackets rolled up to the elbow, right? Uh, worn over pastel coloured t-shirts. Oh, wow. Smart Perfect. casual. Smart casual, as the dress, dress sense description said on the disco door. Shane successfully used this ensemble to get girls whilst I, wearing the same outfit and with the same haircut, was universally ignored by the fairer sex. Who brings a girl to a game? An all-male group behind the goals meant we could say what we wanted without much fear of offending anybody. I'm able to swear in front of my father, but would never dare drop four-letter words around my mum. Nowadays, that attitude is considered sexist, but in my limited experience of women at the time, it seemed safer not to swear too much in their company. Men, in contrast, never seemed to notice. I was always fascinated to hear well-dressed businessmen in bars or on buses swearing like Bricky's labourers. You know that thing, I've always been surprised by this, is you're in a business environment and you go to the mm. toilet, you go to the toilet, and as men are bizarrely uh, required to do and expected to do and have to do is you have to stand next to other men with your penis out, yep, weighing into the individual urinal, right? Or, or into or a trough. onto a stainless steel wall, a stainless steel wall, and sometimes if it, at the bottom of it. And sometimes if it's really cold and you're the first person to wee on that stainless steel wall, it will buckle Boom. under the heat It'll of the wee, the wee that yes. hits it, right? But Which so is a great victory too. If you go into the pub very early, into the toilet, it's still cold. I'm and such a man. With your wee. <laughs> Boom. I'm, I'm, such a, I'm, such a, I'm such a man, my, my wee bends steel. <laughs> it feels pretty good. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, but I've always been surprised when you're in some business environment, right? And then you go for a wee and then one of the other businessmen either that you're in a meeting with or there to see or maybe even a higher echelon of mm. the businessmen in that business building would just drop mega farts next to you. I mean, I suppose that's best to do it in there than in the middle of the I meeting. Th- I, but I think they are I find in the un- appropriate environment. Yeah, but, but I still, still find it too familiar and it's uncouth. It's very confronting. I used to work in a shipping company and uh, once I saw the CEO disappear into the men's toilet as I'm coming out of the office. I'm going to the toilet too. So I know he's in, as I go through, he's not at the urinal, so he's in a cubicle. And so I know I can listen to what the CEO's up to. And man, he was he was farting up a storm. And I was almost having to like suppress my giggles at this man who, you know, we had to respect and, and defer to was just... Honking his ass off, cubicle <laughs> number one. You know that when you're a kid and you, someone's uncle always drops one and then goes, "Whoops, any more choke?" And I would have started. <laughs> <laughs> oh, older jokes to attach to bodily functions. That's terrific. <laughs> Bit more choke and I would have started. Is great. Uh, Back in the days when cars had chokes and you had to pull them out yourself rather than just some automatic choke. Yeah, uh, the choke. Back to the book. The footy being a. <laughs> <That's great. laughs> Did you forget we were reading a book as the origin of this whole discussion? The footy. The footy I couldn't being... give a fuck about the book. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm sick Seems of the like it's gone book. on forever. Yeah. It has. Wow, gone... we're milking 30 episodes out of this thing. <laughs> the footy. Back to the fucking book. Back to the, the footy. Book. The footy being a public domain, 
Our male bonding area was occasionally infiltrated by large numbers of unsuspecting women. How dare they? These occasions saw a lower level of bad language, but deleting our expletives prevented us from letting fly in our customary manner and thus remove some of our pleasure. But <laughs> of course, drink- there was women that wanted to be around men and do the things that men do too, and that is swear at the umpire and have a few beers and enjoy the footy. Yeah. Like... I know, but this is my... This and, is and, my... We, and we couldn't put two and two together. What are these women doing here? Sneaking up on us <laughs> and spying. No, they want to drink piss at the footy and yell yeah, like I we know. do. Yeah, I know. But as, as a kid in the Burbs, there was, a, there was you know, certain demarcations that you observed or inherently uh, obeyed. Mm. That, you know, now we're way older and the world's moved on. Um you know, and not everybody's, every woman's deemed to be a housewife first and foremost or a yeah, stay-at-home mum, those, et cetera. Those um, penny drop moments are so vital in terms of, you know, understanding equality. Like, it came very late for me that, uh, you know, I had probably lost my virginity and had one or two girlfriends, that women wanted to have sex as well. That it wasn't oh, something... We, we, I wasn't, that, yeah, what you weren't That wasn't kind something of... they were putting up with or letting you do... It's like, well, I so, want to have sex as well because yeah. it feels good for me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so let's fuck. And then you'd go, what? Oh, all right. Because, you know, you've been, I don't know, somewhere along the line absorbed by osmosis that it was shameful or good girls didn't do that or, you know, somehow you'd been given this Madonna whore complex of sluts and angels. But all, all, all of a sudden you realise, oh, okay, you're into it as well. Cool. Well, yeah, I remember when I first went to England, and um, I'm not trying to uh, besmirch Australian women in general, or well, Australian women of the 1992. But if you era. make generalisations across a, a national divide, you're bound to fall into a chasm. Away you go. <laughs> uh, well, when I went to when I went to England, women in in pubs and clubs would uh, come on to you. Yes, me, me they would approach matter. you. Yeah, it a took lot me more... ages. I was shocked. I couldn't believe it. I thought I'd like landed in heaven. I wondered if I died on the flight over there and not realised yet. Yeah, a lot more familiar and also, you know, a bit more sure of the terrain, I guess. But uh, it's well, an know, interesting national divide, the idea that a woman comes over and goes, hello, love, what are you up to? <laughs> well, exactly. And it, wasn't even, me? it wasn't even the accent angle because sometimes girls would approach you in a pub or a club um, without having spoken to you or could, without having possibly been able to have heard that you had an accent as a, yeah. you know, a point of difference. I'm, I'm sure that didn't hurt when and if the conversation then began. But, yeah. So um, uh, uh, where was I? Oh, yeah. Sorry. So um, I've, 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 the next line in this uh, chapter of this book is, uh, they drink in our bars, earn equal incomes. Where will it all end? <laughs> <laughs> it seems quite an anachronistic line, but, of course, it's comedy. You know, you know this thing, Lawrence, uh, this TV, Channel 9 TV show a couple of years ago called House Husbands, right, with Gary Sweet and... Various oh, yeah. other actors. It was very uh, Julia Morris. Uh, it was a very good show, I thought, for a commercial uh, program. Anyway, Reese Muldoon was in it. Yeah, uh, Farista Durrani. Oh, they were all excellent. I thought. Anyway, but I I was a stay at home dad at the time, and I was thinking I stay at home dad for years, and um, the stay at home parent. And I was shocked when I checked out the census this year to see how many stay at home parents are men in this day and age, Lawrence. What do you reckon it is? I think it'd still be incredibly low. Uh, and I think it would probably be, if it's knocking 10%, uh, that would be about right. 4%. Jeez. 4%. That means 96% of parents staying at home are women. I thought it was like close to 50-50. Which, 
which means because it's 4%, it's still socially acceptable to mock you because you're too small of a minority to have any power. So I can say, stay at home, Dad. What do you keep your balls in a jar, you pram pusher? <laughs> and that kind of shit. Yeah. Well, but then, no, but also I think I was just uh, convinced by the by the the numbers, which was probably more like 80-20 by virtue of the show being called House Husbands. I, but yeah. I, I, I conveniently forgot that I was the only uh, dad at the at the mums groups. I was the only dad or at the, the mums groups. Or the only t- man that watched that show. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Shut, oh, Shut up. Hey, hey, is that ratings killer still on the telly, Matt? <laughs> I thought it was. I thought it was. Fuck off. You, anyway, you and single mums from Maui watched it. No. Excuse me, Yarraville, right? The inner, the inner city, urban, gentrified, creative uh, coven. So, I'm just yeah, laughing only... at the joy of being able to pigeonhole someone and <laughs> and mock them. But uh, I've changed. A, but let me say this: you're a great dad. Well, thank you. Uh, you you are devoted to your daughters and committed to the fact that you are. Well, a, you, did, you just invited stay at home parent. You just invited me to to eat at Rockpool, the greatest steak <laughs> restaurant in Melbourne. Uh, yes. I, I presume at your expense, and uh, and what I had to say no. Oh no, I wanted to say no because I got me my daughters instead. So there you yes, go. you had hey, to say no. We were going to dine together on Saturday night, and uh, you said I have got my daughters, and it was unflinching. Uh, that's what you're doing, and there was no. Oh, listen, see if I can, you know, palm them off or get a sitter. No, nah, you're committed to it, and uh, I admire that. Well, they're you're my right. mates. They're my mates. Obviously, you've got to be a parent yeah. before a friend. But um, yes, you do. They are your friends as well. That said, um, when I went to the mum's group, and I was the only bloke, occasionally other dads would filter in and out and take a turn. But just regards mm. week after week after week for you know a year or two, uh, I was the only one. And I remember f- having to ask the women uh, if I was cramping their style, if I was, uh, you know, my very presence was stopping them from talking about whatever details of their mum experience uh, right. differed from the dad experience mm. and or, and they went, no, 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 no. And then having asked that question, they opened up even more than they had before. And I was uh, privy to details regards post-birth, Lawrence. Right. That was standing my hair on end, which is, you know, my problem. Uh, but yeah, it was an education. Right. Of course, uh, you didn't have the experience of giving birth to your children, couldn't talk about your no, post-birth n- n- vaginal experience. Well, not just that, but the psychological and the logistical, okay. you know, from a female perspective. Anyway, moving on, back to the book. So, Shane, what I'm getting at here is should have known better than to bring a girl to a game. Should have known better. Worse. <laughs> worse. <laughs> Bit of Richard Marks. Uh, worse, his girlfriend didn't want to know about the game. Oh, get home. That was the main problem, yeah. yeah. Instead, she made constant small talk regards music, movies, and anything but football, all while we were trying to watch the bloody game. This time Remember just- people used to admonish sometimes friends or often children um, who, you know, distracted and chattering away. What's the bloody game? Yeah. That's what we're here to do. Yeah. And it's like, I don't want to watch the game. I'm bored. Well, I'll go and put you in the car. <laughs> All right, I'll watch the game. <laughs> this type of discussion is fine, of course, in any normal social environment, but standing room in the outer amongst a crowd of filthy footy fanatics is definitely not a normal social environment. To appreciate a game, Lawrence, I need to concentrate for the entire two hours. And what happens if you stop concentrating? The opposition kick a goal. Oh, How often one. does that happen in yeah. the lounge room when you are – it's on a knife's edge, the ball's 
in dispute and you are you can see it unfolding in favor of your club and your wife comes in and says listen i'm off to the shops and you just go hold on and she goes yeah i just want to tell you and bang all of a sudden down the throat of Dagoe, straight through the big sticks, and the Bombers are now the six points down. Don't interrupt when I'm watching the footy. <laughs> <laughs> How absurd is that? That you you think your concentration <laughs> is dictating how the universe is going to unfold. But it's the truth, isn't it? Yeah. Every time you're disturbed, the opposition score a goal. And it's not always Bullshit. the wife, of course. Sometimes it can be the husband, Lawrence, or the family pet. <laughs> or the boyfriend, or the yeah. same-sex partner, your mum or your dad, your children or an errant thought that pops into your head and you take your eye off the ball, bang, to goey. Bloody fire alarm goes off because you've <laughs> left the pizza in for too long. Yeah, pizza. Um, Any distraction, it's, and all of a sudden the universe is back random at play out of your control. It's a disgrace. Hey, by the way, when you're talking about the girl at the footy, I always used to wonder about people cuddling too much of the footy or holding hands. You know, you'd see a couple canoodling. It's oh, like, yeah. come on. Get a room. Well, just concentrate on the game. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine you. I can imagine you. Uh, oh, uh, them. Uh, in a moment of romantic privacy with your spouse, and then uh, midway, midway, is it? We go the other way around. She wants to talk to the talk about the footy during sex. You go concentrate. Trade well, on the... it's interesting you say that because uh, after Richmond won the 2017 preliminary final, yep. a picture of Dusty Martin was in the paper the following week. You know, it's like coming up to the finals, they have the big lift out of one player and he went up above our bed. Anyway, uh, he stayed there and they won the 2017 grand final. He won the Brownlow that year. And then 2018, they just miss out. They go to the preliminary final. 2019, of course, they win the premiership again. I think it was after the 2020 um, Dreamtime round, Richmond Essendon. Me and my wife had a massive blow-up. And mind you, Dusty's been above our bed for over two years now. So I, during some lovemaking, had clocked the tattooed marvel. Hang on, above uh, your bed, like on the ceiling, like a 70s mirror. No, in no, a no, no, not, no, on the wall behind the bedhead. So Dusty no, Martin is in the bedroom. Dusty Martin. Yeah, Dusty Martin was in the bedroom on the wall. And so, yeah, uh, either my wife had certainly clocked him a few times uh, <laughs> facing that wall or I'd, I'd certainly Lawrence. seen him. <laughs> Please, not too much detail. But came home from the 2020 Dreamtime round. And uh, straight up the stairs, onto the bed, I tore it off the wall and I said, that's enough of that bastard on the fucking wall. <laughs> <laughs> See you, Dusty. Right. Uh. Well, that, that was due. Right, okay. I'm not going to get involved. <laughs> and, you, and your wife responded how? She goes, oh, yeah, typical. Go Bombers, you know, mocking. Uh, it was a, just a footy. It was a classic footy Barney. Brilliant. Okay, that'll do us, Lawrence Mooney, for today. I am having a ball, so uh, please join us on the next episode and tell your friends. Bring some friends along. Thanks for joining us. Okay, if you haven't given us a rate and review, now's the time. We're counting on you. Ample. Here, here.
Is this thing on? Yeah, that's on. Don't touch 